God's been on our heart for a long time. Just trying to keep you on your toes. <laughs> because it's extremely important to him. And um, gosh, we're excited to be in this series. So last week, Rachel talked about the filter of God and how you see God. The, the filter that you have over your eyes and the way that you see God. Okay, And so she talked about Dallas Willard. He says that all human troubles come from viewing God wrongly. Say it with me. All human troubles come from viewing God wrongly. That was a pretty bad. Okay. So um, all human troubles come from viewing God wrongly, which I love that thought. And the more you dig into it, I think it's true in so many ways. So if you have money troubles, if money is a trouble to you, perhaps you are viewing God connected to your money in some way that's incorrect according to the heart of God. Amen? Amen? I'm going to wake y'all up, man. Come on. All right. So money is a test from God. It, it, he's watching to see how you steward the money that he puts in your hands because the money that he gives to us is not our own money. Um, Jesus, he told this parable about the talents, and he literally communicated in the Gospels in one of his limited things that he shared with us that, look, God literally put money in people's hands to test them to find out how they would steward what was put in their hands so that he could determine what are they going to rule in eternity, okay? And it was a parable, but we needed to let it sink deep into our own personal wallets. Like Jesus is watching your money to see how he can trust you in eternity, okay? It's a big, big, big deal. Jim Baker says that money is the kindergarten of the spiritual life. It's the kindergarten. It's where God teaches us the basics about trusting God and who he is. Your money isn't yours. It's given to you by God, entrusted to you, given to manage on God's behalf. Money to God is nothing but a tool. And Rachel talked about this um, matter synthesizer. Anybody remember what she talked about? Yeah? Okay, matter synthesizer, I loved this concept. It was about the sci-fi show that she's watched. And in the sci-fi show, they're hundreds of years in the future, and they can walk up to this little, like, karaoke machine, no, cappuccino machine kind of thing in the wall, and they just do-do-do, and it'll create anything that they want. And in that moment, they're talking about, oh, yeah, back in the day, there was this thing called money, and you would have to trade your money and work for your money. But because they can create anything that they want, there is zero need for money. God can literally speak into existence anything at any time that he desires. He created the cosmos with a word out of his mouth. There is no use for money in God's realm because he can speak everything into existence. So if he doesn't have a need for money, why is it such a huge part of the world that we live in? Because he's watching us. He's testing us. He's seeing how he can trust us to steward the things that he puts into our hands. Money to Jesus doesn't birth joy or sadness. There's no emotion connected to it. Money just is. It's just a part of it. So if you equate value to money in that sense where, where it's, it's doing emotional things into, inside of you, then perhaps there's something different that God wants to place inside of you about trusting him. So that was last week. If you weren't here to listen to it, go back and listen to it. It's a great message. It's an excellent foundation. Today we're talking about part two, which is God is our provider. Say it with me. God is our provider. Okay? And this phrase, Jehovah Jireh. Anybody ever heard that? 
That's what it means. God is our provider. We're going to talk about where this came from in Genesis chapter 22, verses 2 through 14. So Abraham, he's been following God all of his days. He's an old, old man. The Lord finally gives him his promised son who's going to be the inheritance, the nations, right, where it's all going to come from. And God says, I want you to sacrifice your only child on Mount Moriah. And so he says yes to God. He has belief in God that God is going to provide for him in this scenario. And so he packs everything up to do the sacrifice. He takes his son Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah. And on the way, Isaac, his son, says, hey, dad, um, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, in faith, he, he says to his son, don't worry, son, God is going to provide the sacrifice. The Lord is our provider. The Lord is the one who provides a sacrifice. And so they get to the top of the mountain, and I, would, I can't wait to see how it really played out whenever we get there. But I imagine that in Abraham's heart, he genuinely had faith. Hebrews 11 talks about how Abraham did have faith that God was going to provide the sacrifice. Somehow, this was going to work out. This is crazy. This is absurd. Somehow, God's going to take care of it. And so, in my mind, I think he gets to the top of the mountain, and he's thinking, well, maybe along the way, something else will happen. Like, surely an angel will stop me along the way. Like, this can't be God. They get up to the top of the mountain, and now he's thinking, oh, my goodness. I'm really going to have to do this. I'm going to have to kill my only son. And so he's, I think he gets up there, and I think he looks around the mountaintop thinking, surely God has provided the sacrifice somewhere else. <laughs> and I think he's looking around nothing, looking around nothing, looking around nothing. So finally he tells his son what's really going on. He says, get on the altar. His son lays down on the altar. And I think Abraham's looking around again like, okay, that was probably it, right? Like now <laughs> there's, there's a sacrifice and no, no sacrifice. So Abraham pulls out the knife. Abraham obeys the Lord. To the very last moment, he lifts up the knife. And as he's coming down, the Lord stops him and says, okay, stop. And in that moment, when the, Abraham obeys completely, the Lord speaks. And in that moment when the Lord speaks, the Lord provides the sacrifice. All of a sudden, there's a lamb. There's a ram trapped in the bushes that was not previously there. I think he looked. I think he was desperately looking, and it was not there. And in the moment of his actual obedience, that's when the Lord provided the sacrifice. So there's something extremely important to pay attention to. If you are trying to look at the Lord as your provider, your provision comes in the moment of obedience. In the moment of your obedience, that's when the provision comes. This is extremely important. They go hand in hand. They're tied together intimately. And so in that moment, Abraham, he, of course, he, he's joyful, he's thankful, he thanks the Lord for what happened, and he, he names the mountain, he renames it from Mount Moriah, and now he names it Jehovah-Jireh. And in that moment, he names the mountain Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah, this means the, ex, the self-existent one. The eternal one, the existing, the always existing one, Jehovah the Lord. Jireh, it means to look at, to inspect, to consider that he will see to it, to present, and then lastly it means to provide. Okay? 
Very often in the faith, we just think Jireh, provision, period. But there's so much more to the story. If you put this whole thing together, Jireh, it means that the eternal one, the Lord, is going to look at, he's going to inspect what's going on. He's going to consider the situation, and then he will see to it that you are presented with the provision that you need. Jehovah Jireh. Isn't that good? So if you put it together, the eternal one, the Lord, the existing one, the Lord, he's going to look at what's going on. He's going to inspect and consider what's going on, and then he will see to it that you are presented with the provision that you need. Jehovah Jireh. So Abraham names Mount Moriah Jehovah Jireh so that when he's far, far away, he can always look out across the landscape and he can remember, in my act of obedience, that's when the Lord became my provider. It's extremely important that you intertwine obedience and provision together according to the word of the Lord. So God takes his role as provider to his children extremely seriously. I'm just going to go through a few quick scriptures. This is Exodus chapter 16, verses 4, and then 14 through 27. So Exodus 16, verse 4, and then 14 through 27. I didn't do slides, so if I'm going too fast, just tell me. Hold on. Say it again. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way... I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Okay, catch this. We're talking about provision. They've just come out of Egypt. They have no way to provide for themselves. The Lord is telling them, I will provide for them, but in my provision, I will test them to see if they obey my voice. I will test them and I will see whether they follow my instructions. Verse 14. So when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost fell to the ground. They appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread that the Lord's given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everybody's to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And then the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much and some gathered little into their tent. But when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered a whole lot did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everybody had gathered just as much as they needed. So then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So in this early day, of the Lord training his people to trust him on their own as their own nation, the Lord says, I'm going to watch the provision that I give to you and I will test you to see if you obey my word. And immediately after, they disobey the word of the Lord and they keep too much of it. And the Lord is teaching them, look, if you think that by you gathering as much as possible and putting it into your own storehouses and separating your provision apart from my daily word, forget it. It's going to stink. Bad things are going to happen. It's going to rot. And it's going to turn your tent nasty. Okay? God had to teach them your daily provision. I've got it taken care of. Don't worry. Trust my word. 
Then it goes on to talk about the Sabbath and how on the Sabbath day they were to rest and to do nothing at all. And so on this day, Moses tells them, hey, the day before gathered double for the, so that the next day you have what you need and none of it rots at all. It's a miracle. God takes his role extremely seriously. Jesus talks about it consistently in Matthew chapter 6 and chapter 7 in several different places. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus is driving home again. Look, your provision, it comes from the Father. You have to look to him. You have to ask him. You have to trust him. Put your trust in him. And then a few verses later, verse 33 of chapter 6, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. For you, your Father in heaven knows what you need. Look at the sparrows of the field. They don't think about what they're going to eat or what clothes they're going to put on, but they always have enough. And if the sparrow, which is worth a penny, the Lord takes care of, and they don't even have to think about it, how much more does your Father, who loves you and cares for you so much more, how much is he going to take care of you? Right? Yeah, like he loves to be your daddy. He loves to be your provider. He loves to take care of you and provide for you. And then a few verses later in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And he tells this story about the father. He says, if a father, though he is wicked and evil, knows how to give good gifts to his son or to his children, how much more does the father in heaven love to give good gifts to those who ask? Like, you are his child in his eyes. You are precious. And providing for you is one of the top priorities of him as your father. Okay? And if that wasn't enough, the Bible drives it home very plainly in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. 1 Timothy 5, verses 5 through 8. It says, but if anybody doesn't provide for his own, especially for those in his own house, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an infidel. Is God worse than an infidel? <laughs> of course not. The Lord inspired that scripture. Guys, for crying out loud, this is a high value in his world to care for his children. Of course, he will never become worse than an infidel, okay? He's going to provide for those in his house. But it goes back to the filter that Rachel talked about. Are you seeing it clearly? Do you see yourself as a child in his house? Because he provides for those in his house. Or do you see yourself as the Israelites who are trying to go and get it on their own apart from God because that leads to bad things? So God tells Moses that he's going to provide daily out of thin air for his people for decades. Jesus tells us to pray, asking the Lord for our daily provision. Put all of our trust only in him, not in our storehouses. Jesus tells us that your father in heaven, he's a good dad who loves to give good gifts. And Timothy says anybody who doesn't provide for their kids is an infidel. And then to top it all off, we have this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 through 21. It says that you're an ambassador of Christ. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, I want you to think about that. An ambassador of a country is somebody that the leader of that country trusts to be sent from that place to serve the country that sent them and to represent them in that new place. And every ambassador of every country in the whole world is extremely well taken care of. They have their housing, they have their food, they have their finances, they have their transportation, they have their vacation, they have what they need to live so that they don't even have to think about those type of uh, keeping your life going type things, and they can focus on the mission that they are sent to do. So you, in addition to being a child of God, you're also an ambassador to Christ. He has sent you from heaven to the earth with a very specific mission to represent the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And as his ambassador, then also with that, you can guarantee that he will provide for you everything you need to live and to do the things that you need to do here so that you can focus on the mission that he's given to you. And so again, back to the filter. If at times you feel like money is a trouble or if at times you feel like I'm having to really work so much harder on my money and I don't have time to focus on the kingdom of God, then maybe we're seeing things a little bit uh, improper based on what the Lord has. Because he has called every single one of you to do something specific with your life, a mission that he puts you on the earth to do. And he wants you to focus on those things. He's going to take care of all this other stuff if we put our trust in him to do it and if we're obedient to serve him in these ways. The Lord, since the beginning of the world has never not provided for his kids. Never once, not one time ever in the history of the world has he not provided for his children. But provision and stewardship, they go hand in hand. Like a baseball glove and a baseball, they have to go together. Provision is found on the mountain of obedience. Provision is found in the moment of trusting the Lord. And so provision shows up when you trust and provision doesn't show up when you don't put your trust in the Lord. Anytime that you spend money that's not yours, bad things happen, right? If you go spend money that's not yours, that's called theft. That's called robbery. You are going to jail. Bad things happen. That is an injustice. The Lord has put money into your hands. He's trusted you to steward the things that he puts at your fingertips. And so when we aren't aware of this is actually his money and we don't steward that money well, there are consequences. And so believers who are drowning in debt and can't get a a handle on things to move forward just feels like, God, where are you? The question must be asked, well, have we stewarded the things put in our care? Because if we don't, bad things do happen. It's, it's a natural thing that the Lord put into play. But if that's any of you guys in the room and you feel that way, I want to encourage you, the Lord is with you. 
He wants to set those things right. He wants you to get your framework correct with him and then make it easy for you to provide for yourself and to provide for the family so that you can focus on the things he's called to. And I know when you're in the middle of it, it feels impossible. It feels like, yeah, right, no way. He's not here for me. But I promise you, he's never not provided for his kids. He wants to help you in these ways. We just have to ask the right question. We have to see through the right lens, through the right filter. God doesn't provide for foolish spending. So a lot of times believers find themselves in trouble because they spent money that wasn't theirs to spend in the first place. God provides, and oftentimes in ways that seem lavish for those who live their lives as ambassadors, serving and obeying. And that's why Deuteronomy 8, verses 18, it says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth or the power to create wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Remember God, for it's him who gives you the power to create wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. I love that. Okay? So remember God, step one. Step two, he gives you power to create wealth and in doing so, he confirms his own word for you. His own promises that he's a good father, that he provides for you, that he is Jehovah Jireh. So God loves to train us and to teach us to be great stewards and to accomplish great things for him with the things that he puts in our hands. But if you don't remember him, then he's less apt to give you the power to get wealth. Obedience and partnership have to be connected to provision. It's a great example. If you say, okay, God, I trust you, and you find yourself laying on the couch all day, every day. <laughs> I trust you, God, my provision. Click, 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 TV, click, eat your food, do, do nothing, okay? And you're not paying attention to the Lord. You're not remembering the Lord. What's very likely to happen to that couch potato? They're going to be evicted from their home. <laughs> Somebody's going to come knocking and say, hey, you forgot to pay your bills. Time to get out of here, buddy. Adios, right? Because they're not remembering, they're not paying attention to the voice of the Lord. But if you ask God and partner with him and realize that he gives you the ability to create wealth, he is your provider, he loves to give you your daily bread, and you sit and you ask him, God, what are you saying to me today? He might tell you, get up off your couch and go look in the top cabinet of your kitchen. Which happened a few years ago. One of her really good friends, she's like, Lord, we need money. And he's like, Go open your cupboard. And she's like, okay. And she goes over there, and on the top shelf, magically falls out of the top shelf a check for $1,000. <laughs> she had no idea it was there. Right? Or maybe the Lord says, hey, couch potato, Arby's is hiring. It's time to go. <laughs> or maybe he'll say, you know what? You need to get on your knees. You need to be focused on me because I want to provide. But you got to hear my voice. There has to be a partnership together for this to work. Because provision is found on the mountain of obedience. So learning to trust God with your provision is a lot like a video game in VR called Super Hot. <laughs> Rachel hates this game. <laughs> so I was watching her when I said the words. Um, Super hot. Anybody ever played super hot? Nobody. Oh, you and me, buddy, and Eli. Okay, so here's what super hot is. In VR, 
uh, virtual reality, you put your goggles on, it's all white. Can't see anything, it's just pure white. You look around, up, down, left, right, whatever, white. You can see nothing. And then all of a sudden, something shows up. You're like looking around, nothing's happening, and then you glance, and then there's something in front of you. A little black object. Um, it, it might be a gun. It might be a weapon. It could be a glass bottle. It could be a ninja star. It could be a phone book. It could be so many different things. But something shows up, and that's the only thing that you can see. You have no context of why that's there. So then you reach your hand out. You can see your hands. You reach your hand out, and you grab whatever's before you. And the moment you grab what's before you, everything changes. You can now see this white room, and you're inside of some sort of room. Maybe you're in, in, in a building of some sort, or you're outside of some way. But all of a sudden, you can see this landscape, and it's all around you, above you, behind you, on the floor, everything. And you can bend down, and you can go crawl around and stuff. But now you can see where you are. And then there's these mannequins, these red mannequins that are people. They are demons coming to attack you. They're not demons. They're just red mannequins. But for the, for the analogy today, they are coming to attack you. They're coming to kill you. Some of them have weapons. Some of them don't. Some of them want to punch you. Some of them um, are far away. Some of them are close. But all of a sudden, you can see everything that's happening. So if you just grab the thing, kind of walk around and move around, whatever, every time you move, they move at you to attack you. And if you are careless, they're going to very quickly end the level, okay? But every time you move, they move. But if you don't move, they don't move at all. Okay, so then it becomes like a puzzle, and I, I love this game. <laughs> I think it's so fun. It's like chess with guns <laughs> and, and red mannequins. So you, you, like, grab the thing, and you don't move, and you're like, okay, I got four guys close to me. I got six far away. Three have guns. One has a knife. Like, I got one gun. I got a knife over there on the floor. I got a bottle back behind me, and you're trying hard not to move at all, right? So then you're like, okay, first move. Punch the guy with your right hand, grab the gun with your left hand at the same time, and then that'll save, you know, right? So it becomes silly and fun. But the point is, if you fail, the level restarts. And all of a sudden, it's white again, and there's the same gun, or the same knife, or the same bottle. So then you got to fight again. And you go through the process again and again and again, and every time you fail, it starts over, starts over, starts over, starts over, starts over. And you're learning the patterns of how this thing works. You're learning the tricks. Okay, well, if I do that move and then this move and I don't and I tilt this way, then it's going to work. And then all of a sudden, you've defeated the level. And as you defeat the level, you go on through the levels, you have the choice of what levels you go back and play. For our Bible analogy today, The, de the demons of hell <laughs> are the red mannequins. They're coming after you. They're trying to find ways to trip you up. And I feel like the Lord in these moments, he's sitting up high and he's just kind of watching. He has given you in every scenario that you come across, he has given you every weapon and tool that you need to make it past that scenario, that lesson, that level. But he's testing us. He's watching us. Maybe he put five bucks on the table and you need a hundred. And he's teaching you, how am I going to multiply this five into 500, right? 
And so he watches to see how wise, how well you steward the things that he puts at your disposal because he promises you everything you need to defeat that level in the kingdom is there at your disposal. But you have to sit, be patient, listen to his voice, find out what he tells you is the answer for this solution so that you can make it through the level, pass the test, and then move on to the next one. And after you've passed the test, then it's very easy if that level comes back again, you remember how it happened in the past. You remember how to trust the voice of the Lord in those certain scenarios. Sorry, Rachel. But hopefully that goes deep into your minds. Your money is a test from the Lord. He's testing you. He's giving you new levels. Oh my goodness, where did this credit card bill come from? Test. It's a new level. He's giving you all you need if you listen to his voice. We could go on and on and on, but I think genuinely that's how the Lord views finances in us. Last point. God provides, but he typically won't provide in the same way all the time. Right? It's like with super hot. The level replaces, but it's not exactly the same every time. The enemy might be like three feet over, but it's the same general idea each time. And so you have to pay attention to what changed this time. So, okay, rent's due this month. Great. Lord, you need to go to him and ask him. The provision that he has for you, it is there. It is full. The, the lake of God, the river of God's provision, it never, ever, ever runs out. But it doesn't always come to you through the same water pipe. Sometimes it shows up with a drone dropping it at your doorstep. Sometimes he shoots a water gun and it shows ends up where it needs to be. Sometimes it's a cup that you need to go up there and get what you need. Like it changes all the time. And I think the Lord loves it that way because it makes you dependent on his voice. Right? So it's like healing. If healing happened every time that we prayed these five words, then we would no longer have our faith in God. We would have our faith in these five words. So he's never gonna do it that way. So when you face those new challenges, it's imperative that we listen to the Lord and find out how can we obey in this specific situation. So a great example of that is Elijah. He had just defeated Baal on top of the mountain and they had this huge showdown where God answered by fire and proved that he was the Lord. And then he gets terrified of Jezebel and Elijah runs off to the desert afraid for his life, begging God to take his life. And the Lord in that moment provides for Elijah with birds. Birds bring him food for quite a long period of time. And then all of a sudden the birds dry up and the Lord says, you need to get up and go to this village. And so he gets up and goes to the village. And then he says, this woman, she's your provider now. And so the voice of the Lord will change consistently how he brings it to you. But he's always going to bring it to you. I think Jesus, with uh, the Magi bringing gold at his birth, providing in this crazy, weird way, but the Lord provided, right? And uh, Heidi Baker, for example, sometimes they have all these orphans that they care for, that they've adopted as their own. Sometimes they provide the food to their orphans, to their family, because you and me send money to them to buy meals. But sometimes that money's not there. And other times, the soup bucket just simply never runs out. It should feed 50 people, and it feeds 500 people magically, miraculously, right? 
The Lord loves to change it up. He's always going to provide, but we have to partner with him. We have to listen to him in each scenario and ask him how he wants to do it and then put our trust in him. So for me, the Lord's done this many times in many different, so many different ways, these like levels of the faith regarding provision and finances. Um, I remember in high school, I needed a job and I had to pay for my car insurance. And so the Lord was like, hey, you need to ask me for a job that you're going to love. And so I wrote out a list of the things that I loved. And at the time, technology was a real big one. So I wrote technology. And I thought, oh, maybe I'd go to Sears or maybe go to Best Buy or something like that. And the Lord said, no, no, don't do that. Drive down this road. And so I start driving down this road. He says, turn right, turn left, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just following the Lord, 16 years old in high school, driving down these roads in, in Richardson, Texas. And he says, turn down this road, and it's the, um, the highway, like, feeder road. And then I pull up to this building. It's called Top Communications. And I really have no idea what they do. I've never really noticed it before in my whole life. And the Lord says, pull in. I'm like, okay, pull in. And he says, go on in. And I go on in. And I'm like, what is this place? <laughs> it's like random little building. In, like, what am I doing here? And I walk in the door, and this really nice guy comes out. And there's home theaters set up everywhere throughout the whole room. And I'm like, ooh, this is cool. <laughs> home theaters, this is awesome. And I say, hey, I'm looking for a job. He's like, great. Guy just quit yesterday. Can you start tomorrow? <laughs> and he taught me how to install home theaters. And I got to watch movies in high school every day after school as I was the front desk person. And it was a fun job. I loved it. Um, another time when we were in college, I had quit college after my first year to start a coffee shop. It was called the Lifehouse Coffee Shop, and it was the jankiest, grossest, most, <laughs> let's just celebrate the Lord. Um, <laughs> I had this big dream of what the coffee shop meant, but it was all for ministry, and we were working with youth, and the church met in an old abandoned, that we were renting, uh, middle school, like from 100 years, it was 100 years old. And so we met in the cafeteria is where we created the Lifehouse Coffee Shop, the kitchen cafeteria. And the kids had to come in the back door. Long story short, that was such a fun season of provision, of learning to trust God. Because I had no other source of funds. And I was putting my trust in God to create, I mean, we had to do a legitimate full-blown coffee shop with manager licenses from the health department and checks and all this kind of stuff. We had a, a full-scale coffee shop. I don't know money. It just showed up, started coming in, all these random places. And we put together this super terrible coffee shop. <laughs> but it provided for my, my needs for a whole, like six months, a year. I can't remember how long it lasted. And it was amazing getting to watch um, the Lord show up in all these different ways. He's done it through so many different, so many different times. And I guess it, it just probably never stops. I'm not old enough to know for sure. We could ask Garland if he came today, but um, I'm not old enough to know for sure if it ever stops. I don't think it does. I think you're always going to come back to these little, these new little levels <laughs> where you grab something and you're like, what's here this time? But it should become fun and enjoyable after you have the testimony of the Lord providing for you through all these other ways. So uh, one of the most clear uh, like profound ones for me was a few years back when I got my real estate license. It's really easy in real estate to, you know, like you write a contract, $300,000 house. Wow, in 30 days, I'm going to get a check for $9,000. 
goodness gracious, that's a lot of money, right? So, and sometimes like once a year, it'll pile up when it's like the hot season. So it's really easy to write a contract and then to mentally connect your family's money to that contract, okay? And so, but at the same time, it can, it can fall to pieces in a moment, just like that. And it basically does like five times a day, every single day, forever. <laughs> and so I was on this roller coaster like, oh, my gosh, we're going to make somebody. Oh, my gosh, we're going to lose our house. Oh, my gosh. We're, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And it was just like this all the time. <laughs> and it was fun but also terrifying. And the Lord was like, hey, idiot. <laughs> he doesn't call me idiot, but uh, I can call myself idiot. Hey, you are on this roller coaster and you have forgotten about me regarding money. Get off the roller coaster. Your money does not come from a client or come from a contract or come from a house closing. Get that out of your head. He said, you must completely put me on the hook. I am your provider. I'm the one that takes care of your family. I'm the one that takes care of you guys. It has nothing to do with your clients or the contracts or anything like that. If you trust me, I will take care of everything else. And so it was like a slap in the face. And it was very dramatic for, me, for my time with the Lord. But I was like, God, you're right. I'm sorry, I repent. And from that day forward, for the most part, we were off the roller coaster, at least in my heart. It was just like, oh, what? We're going to have a, a huge month next month? Great. I don't care. It all, oh, it all fell apart? There's one. Okay. I had one deal. I did not close. I did not earn this money. But it was a $2 million apartment complex. I was going to earn $52,000 from this one contract. And we had another contract, and it fell out of contract. We had another contract. So it was like a period of several months. And it was just after the Lord had like slapped me around a little. Where I was like, hey, babe, well, we're going to make 50 grand in two months. Like, wow, cool. And then the next day, hey, babe, <laughs> just kidding, we're not. It's fine. <laughs> and then, like, the next day, come back on. I'm like, yeah, oh, babe, we're, we're earning 50 grand. And they're like, oh, hey, babe, there's another one. They're going to buy two. We're going to make the 100 grand next month. Oh, no, just kidding. It all fell apart. <laughs> and it was like on and off. But because the Lord dealt with, I am your provider, not the contracts, I didn't go insane and I didn't end up in the hospital <laughs> in the middle of that. And they didn't close. And guess what? He still provided for us in all these other ways, right? It's just how he loves to do it. I could, talk, I could probably stay in here all day if my memory was sharp enough and I could just talk for hours of all these levels that he's put me in. And I go, okay, who's around this time? But now it's fun. Now it's like, ah, he, did. he called me into it. He's going to take care of it, no question. So in closing... It's extremely important to pay attention to the Lord. He's watching you. These are tests. These are uh, spiritual video games <laughs> in your world that he sets you in the middle of. And he wants to see to it that you are presented with the provision that you need. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is watching. The Lord will see to it that you are presented with the provision that you need. It likely won't be in the same way that you expect it to come. It probably won't show up how you're hoping it will, but it likely won't be what you anticipate. But if you're obedient to listen and to obey, no matter how crazy it is, you will find him as your provider. Every single time. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm actually not going to turn on the music. Let's just close our eyes and take a moment and inspect your own heart. Inspect the filter where you see God. 
is your trust of your provision, your electric bill, your food, your house, your car, the things that you desire, because that's included in this. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He, he gives abundantly. All of those things connect with your provision. How is your filter? Inspect your heart for just a moment. And if anything is off in your heart, just repent and say, God, I am sorry. I, today, I remove my trust from my own ability to provide for myself. I remove my trust. I revoke my trust in my own strength. I revoke my trust out of my job. I revoke the trust out of the things that you've put into my life. And today I put my trust in you, Father. My trust is in you and you alone. Whether this job goes away, whether this source of income goes away, whether my ability to create wealth in this way goes away, it doesn't matter because my trust, God, is in you and in you alone because I am your child and I am your ambassador. I am on the earth serving you, doing the things you've called me to and I have no fear and no worries of not being provided for because you are the best father in the entire universe and you've got it. You're going to take care of it. And so today I commit in my heart to always look to you I commit in my heart to present these things before you. I commit in my heart to not take back responsibility, but to put you on the hook for all of my provision, all of my needs, all of my desires. Father, I put you on the hook for these things. I put my trust in you and in you alone. And every challenge that you bring my way, every test, every demon that comes my way, Father, teach me to pay attention. Teach me to listen. Teach me to hear the voice of God. And I believe that as I obey what you tell me to do, the provision will show up. On the mountain of obedience, the provision will appear miraculously. That is where my hope, that is where my trust is, Father. It is in you and you only. And we bind the self-serving mentality and the spirit, the religious spirit that says, I can do it without you, God. We bind it up in Jesus' name. That there would be true freedom for people to put their trust in you and to watch you show up in the most beautiful, miraculous ways. God, I'm asking for quick testimonies. I'm asking for about faces, people going one way in this area of their lives and all of a sudden realizing what's happening, putting their foot on the ground, stopping, repenting, turning around and going the other direction. And in that obedience, in that moment of obedience, there would be quick testimonies of your provision, of your goodness. Lord, we just say we thank you there's no father in the whole universe like you. We thank you that we're able to trust you without any fear. We bind up fear as well. Any of those that feel they're not able to focus, not able to listen, we bind up fear in the name of Jesus, that they could put their trust in you.
We'll just take another moment, ask the Lord what he's saying to you right now. love you, Lord. Well, bless you guys this week. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks for coming this morning, and we will see you next week.